What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 72 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this time I'm joined by, well, no one. It's a solo podcast once again. So for those of you who enjoyed it the first time, congratulations. For those of you who didn't like it, I'm sorry. But unfortunately, the scheduling just didn't work out this week. Andre had an unexpected visit from a friend, so this, he just wasn't able to become available. And Ash was trying to make it work. We wanted to do this Thursday because of Ash's new job, but it just wasn't happening because of how busy that job made him. So we planned for Thursday night. It did not happen, so we weren't going to go for Friday morning. And unfortunately, Ash got food poisoning that night before, so that didn't work, so he didn't get much sleep. It was a minor case, it seems like. Uh, so we, and then Pokemon happened and that was it for me as far as having time to actually record this podcast because I needed to get that analysis done. And then by the time I was done, Andre was busy again, Ash was doing his own thing, and then for this morning we were going to do it once again and that friend's still around for Andre and Ash has a very busy weekend as far as work for his other job. So... Yeah, scheduling just didn't happen this week, and I apologize to our Patreon backers for the lateness of this podcast. Uh, hopefully, that I can make up for it, uh, but I did not want to leave you high and dry with nothing. But yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this past week, because it's been kind of a busy one for me. It's been uh, a little nuts, uh, mainly because we had the release of Sonic Mania, and then yesterday, the, of course, we had the new trailer for Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, uh, which required an analysis. And yeah, that, that'll wipe you out. Uh, Sonic Mania, let's get, just start right off with that, because I did get an early code. I was very fortunate to get an early code, and uh, got to play the game right off the bat, and I know a lot of Sonic fans, and they were very jealous of me when I told them I actually got that code. We kept it under wraps, of course. We don't want to really spread it, and there was some interesting embargo things going on where I had to even mask that I was playing the game on my PS4. It was kind of nuts. They really wanted to keep the secrecy of this game and have the surprises there for the fans, but of course the leak happened, and then they had to reveal the opening cutscene, they had to do all this other stuff to sort of mitigate that little bit of a disaster and try to get ahead of everything. That way, you know, it was coming from them and not just some random fan or random person that got an early copy. So I, I can kind of understand that, but I do believe that Sonic Mania is a truly great game. I loved playing it. I love what they've done to remix a lot of the old stages. And it does suck that there's a lot of mostly old stages in the game, but the new ones really do stand out to me, and it's a great return to form for classic 2D Sonic. Uh, I mean, if you've read my review, that's, you know, you get the basic thoughts in there, and we, of course, got Ash in there, and I, I think I'm going to talk about this a little later, but yeah, we kind of came to the decision where, you know, we've both talked about this, we're both so excited we really should try to just do a co-review because there are people on both sides that want to hear our opinions and see what we have to think. And both of us have our own unique take that we can bring bring to this, even though we both love the game to death. And so that's sort of what decided that factor with Ash and I. Uh, and yeah, I mean, hopefully you guys have gotten to try out Sonic Mania at this point, unless you're PC exclusive. But uh, yeah, that, that part's unfortunate. That part really does suck. Especially since if you want to go in fresh, you really have to do some spoiler dodging at this point and I've tried my best to mitigate that as much as possible because we've had a lot of Sonic Media content. Uh, Drake keeps coming up with ideas. I have my own ideas of what to cover uh, to show off and 
really just get out there like, hey, the game can do this. Hey, the games can do this. Here's our usual compilations, that sort of thing. It is crazy how much we uh, have been milking this game. Uh, it really does feel like it, too. Uh, but I, I do feel like I'm getting close to the end on that one. I, the big one I have to do yet, at least for me, is a special ring guide. And I know I could, I could do a 100% guide if I went into the debug mode and searched around every stage, trying to find all of those uh, special rings, but no, <laughs> that is a lot of lot of work, and it's honestly not necessary. Even with the ones I found, uh, you'll have plenty of time to get all of the special, all the uh, Chaos Emeralds, and get that true ending and everything else. So to me, it's it'd be cool to have a hundred percent guide. It would be you know nice to have, but I don't think the extra work is worth it because one, you could farm it after you beat after you beat the game if you didn't get all the Chaos Emeralds. Two, I think you will naturally find enough of the special rings as you play through that you'll be able to see it all. So that's why I'm just really going to show, hey, you can find this one here, hey, you can find this one here, that kind of thing. That's the basic plan for Sonic Mania, at least. Uh, but then, of course, we had Pokemon come out yesterday, and the funny thing is, is I you know, knew that we had something Game Informer related uh, to Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon coming. I was like, all right, I'll make sure to be up at a decent time in order to uh, catch all that. I figured around 10 o'clock Eastern would be fine. And I woke up about 10, 15 minutes after 9 and immediately saw, hey, new Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon trailer dropped. Like, what? Why? <laughs> and so I rushed to get that up rushed to get it downloaded so I could start taking a closer look at it and of course that wasn't all the information that was coming out. We had uh, the, the trailer shown at uh, Pokemon Worlds, uh, the championship going on where we got to see Como O's new Z-Move as well as our first look at the Photo Club and uh, you know, I, I actually do plan on doing a discussion at some point uh, talking about this. It's not really that many big things but I feel like a discussion is still worthwhile uh, when it comes to Pokemon, just because, you know, get those thoughts out there, see what other people think, uh, that kind of thing. And I'm still not fully sold on what Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon is bringing to the table. Like, okay, the Photo Club is cute, and I can see having a few, a few people having a lot of fun with that sort of thing, just making their own uh, sets and everything else. But for me, it's not really why I play Pokemon. It's one of those things like I'll fool around with for a little bit. It's like, oh, that's cute, and move on. Uh, the rest of the game, like we are seeing plenty of stuff being remixed from new buildings to new areas, like a new cave popped up. Uh, there's all these little side sections, and that's cool. And I guess the whole idea of a better, I guess, a greater focus on the Ultra Beasts uh, it could be interesting, but I'm still not fully sold on everything yet. I need to see a little bit more to say, to, to really see what is different about this Pokemon game. Uh, but it was fun doing the analysis, and it was it was actually really telling going from the high quality, uh, the super high quality map I have the, of the original Alola to the decent high quality version of the other one. I mean, you could see it in the analysis how it got really fuzzy as I was going back and forth between the two. Uh, but I think there was still enough detail there that we could pick out basically the overtures of what's different and what's not. And I... It, there's some interesting things in there. There's some interesting possibilities. Uh, I... 
do hope that we're going to start getting more information on it, but it's hard to say for sure. I also find it really funny that we have a new Z-Ring, the Z-Power Ring, mainly so we told me we could sell, sell another version of the original Z-Ring. Not sure how well those sold, but uh, I guess well enough that they're making another one, so that's something. And of course we have the new Z-Moves with Coma O, and uh, from everything I've heard from people, that thing seems overpowered as hell, just because, you know, hits multiple targets, powers up Como O, all that stuff, that, it could be really potent. But I also heard from a lot of people that Como O is not really a great Pokemon, he's, he's just not very good as far as Dragon types, um, which I guess kind of makes sense since, he, you know, he's fighting and all that, gives him a few extra weaknesses that he wouldn't normally have, so it's, it's probably good that he's getting that just to make him a little bit more viable. I like that idea of them like, okay, well, here's some encouragement to actually use him because, hey, he has this really great move now. It's kind of like what we saw with Mega Evolution where, hey, this Pokemon's not quite doing as well. Okay, let's uh, lift it up a bit with a new Mega Evolution and do all this crazy stuff with it. So we'll, we'll see how it all bounces out. Uh, the competitive scene really isn't my bag at all, but, you know, it's, it's good for those people who do follow it. Otherwise, uh, it's been sort of a low-key week for me, just sort of uh, doing what I need to do, covering what I need to cover, uh, although I did take the time to um, watch the new season of Little Witch Academia, which is basically just, you know, the, the full finishing up the series. Uh, for whatever reason, Netflix decided to, to split up the series in two parts, and for those of you who are not aware of Little Witch Academia, uh, it's 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 the next anime from uh, Studio Trigger who did Kill a Kill, and I was a huge fan of Kill a Kill, so I was pretty interested in Little Wicked Witch Academia. And the first half is very much just episode of the you know just separate episodes fo focusing mainly on characters and the str the actual school pits and whatnot. But when you finally get into the second season, it's it's kind of funny how it just something switches and all of a sudden plot 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 <laughs> and it was it was uh, like they really picked up everything uh, which was I guess kind of appropriate for a season one season two type thing but they make makes it feel very different and not uh, in that way though of course it still flows because it is just all one season in the grand scheme of things uh, but no it, it continued that beautiful animation uh, I thought it was fun it was it's definitely it definitely seems to be for younger kids like this is something all ages can really enjoy but I still got a kick out of it um, you know it's a bit different from how uh, Kill a Kill was handled but this is also Kill a Kill was definitely for a teenage to adult audience this is all ages and it, it works it really does there's some really great stuff in here some really great uh, just characterization and if you haven't checked it out I would I really would recommend it there's uh, uh, enough there that I think it's worthwhile I know the defenders also came out this week but I haven't I'm so far behind on the Marvel Netflix stuff I've only watched Still, to this point, uh, the first season of Daredevil and half the season of Jessica Jones. For whatever reason, Je the, the middle portion of Jessica Jones wore me out. And I I keep meaning to go back and finish it up so I can watch, you know, finish watching that, watch Daredevil Season 2, watch Luke Cage, probably skip uh, Iron Fist because I've not heard a single good thing about that show. And even with Defenders, with the early word that I'm seeing coming out of it, uh, Iron Fist is still the weakest part of the Defenders, so that that's a little unfortunate. But you know, I enjoyed Daredevil season one quite a bit. I want to 
I, I do eventually want to catch up with it, but it's just something I just haven't had a chance with. I mean, I, as far as Netflix stuff, I'm way behind. I've never watched House of Cards, never watched Orange is the New Black, never watched uh, Stranger Things, which everybody gushes about. I really should watch the first season of Stranger Things before season two comes out. Now, you watch. Every time I do that, where the first season of a show is really good, and I'm like, okay, I'll start watching it. So I watch season one, and then I get into the show and ready for season two, and that's when season two sucks. That's exactly what happened to me with Heroes uh, back way back then. Because, you know, I didn't watch Heroes at all, but then everybody was like, it's so good, it's so good, it's so good. All right, cool, I'll watch it. I bought the first season because that was the only way to watch it at that time. And it was like, yeah, this is really good. And then season two happened, and it just went further and further into the pits until that show was just garbage. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that doesn't happen with Stranger Things. Fingers crossed, anyway. But that is that does tend to be my luck a little bit. What was really good, I almost forgot about this, and I talked about it last time, is the Duck, DuckTales. The new uh, series of DuckTales premiered on Disney XD this past weekend, and it ran for 24 hours, and uh, you had plenty of chances to watch it. It was on the Disney XD app online, so that's how I watched it for free, and then they eventually put it on uh, YouTube as well. So there's plenty of opportunities and ways to watch uh, the DuckTales premiere, uh, one-hour premiere, and I really like it. I think it's an excellent show, and uh, I... I, I really can't wait for more. Of course, it sucks when I found out that the next episode is not going to be shown until September 28th, so it's going to be a little bit of a wait until we finally get more of it. But I, I will say that the like the animation is excellent. Uh, I think the new actors are doing well. All of the new personalities, uh, and it, it, it really flowed well. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious to see how they go week to week because I was was a li- I'm not spoiling anything, but I was a little surprised how the second episode ended. That gave it the sense that this is going to be a little bit more serialized you know, than the than the original, which is makes sense because there's always more of an episode of the week type thing uh, with the older cartoons rather than a more serialized story. Uh, mainly so you can get more episodes out of it. Kids could uh, it'd be great for syndication where you can just come back and catch an episode and not really be lost about what's going on, uh, that type of thing. Uh, but I do like the serialization, and I'm curious where they go from there, because that is that is a legit mystery, and uh, something that's not really been explored before, at least as far as I know. So, really enjoyed that. Uh, highly recommended it, recommend it if you're a fan of the original, and even just kind of curious. Uh, I, I really do think it was a, a very good time. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty good week uh, this week. It's busy, that busy that's for sure. But uh, that's that's Sonic Mania for you. And uh, hopefully this coming week will be not quite as crazy. We'll we'll definitely see about that. But uh, yeah, we'll I'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> so you know, with me by myself, unfortunately, that's really about it for the, like what we've been up to this past week. So let's go ahead and jump right into the news. And first up is. Uh, The new Splatfest was announced for next weekend, uh, September 1st and 2nd, uh, depending on your time uh, time zone. For me, it's going to be from midnight to midnight, so that kind of works out for me. Uh, But yeah, the new uh, Splatfest theme is Flight versus Invisibility. Which which superpower would you prefer to have? And the funny thing is, I think Flight is definitely going to be the more popular one, and that's probably the one I'm going to pick myself. Uh, last time I picked Mayo because I knew it was going to be the less popular one, especially with it being attached to Pearl. And hey, that worked out. I won. <laughs> you know, that was a 
as a good choice. Flight, that I think it's going to be more popular, but I think the fact that it's the one chosen by Pearl will balance it out with Marina. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. And, you know, invisibility is a popular choice as well. For flight, though, I, I it's the fun of being able to fly around. Of course, there's all these uh, other things you got to think of as well. Like, because Superman can fly around, and they don't really apply this to other superheroes too much, but you're going to get bugs in your eye, you got the wind the wind chill affecting you, uh, being able to handle the G-forces on all that, the lack of oxygen up there, depending on how high you go. You know, there's all these drawbacks to actual flight. But of course, the flight, the you know, the fancy of it is being able to just do all that without having to worry about it. Uh, and for me, being, you know, scared of heights... It would be kind of nice not to have that fear anymore because, hey, I can't fall. I can just fly. That's uh, that's nice. Invisibility, I try to think of like general applications of like how this superpower would work. And unless you're like Sue Storm from the Fantastic Four, uh, where you also get barriers, there's really not much you can do with invisibility. Like, I guess sneak into bad guys complexes and take them down that way. But otherwise, I think this is more of a villain power where you can, you know easily steal things, easily spy on things, easily do subterfuge, that type of thing. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, basically like hero or villain in my mind. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the hero side with flight. But I'm curious what everybody else is going to choose. We'll see how popularity lands on this one. But the other bit of Splatoon news that happened this week uh, is that a Switch bundle was finally announced for North America uh, that'll come out September 8th and will be a Walmart exclusive for $380. It comes with, you know, the Switch system itself, a digital code for Splatoon 2, as well as a, a Splatoon-themed carrying case for the Switch, uh, which seems like a pretty decent deal. The Joy-Con are even colored in the Switch, uh, in the Splatoon colors. You got uh, neon green and pink, uh, which is cool. I think that's the only way you can get those, as far as I'm aware, uh, because otherwise, with it being $380, uh, it may be a bundle, but I don't think it really saves you that much money, just because, hey, the, the, the Switch is $300, the game is $60, and I'm sure the carrying case is around 20 bucks. so, well, that... That, that uh, cost is covered. Not really saving much in there. It's just nice to be able to get it all in one package, I suppose, as well as get the Splatoon merchandise type stuff. So, I mean, it's it's nice to have. It's it's good for those who uh, still need to get a Switch and want to have a game with it. And you know, Splatoon Two is the big game for the Switch right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's neat. It's cool. Uh, just doesn't apply to me since, you know, I already have a Switch and already have Splatoon 2 and already have a carrying case thanks to uh, Breath of the Wild Special Edition. So, yeah. Uh, next up, we also have the next arms fighter being teased. It seems to be candy-based, uh, which could be really cool. And they've actually had these really grainy videos put up on the Japanese Twitter kind of showcasing uh, what this fighter's about. It's really hard to make it out, but the big thing I can really sense from it is parachute pants and that's really something else like okay we're fighting mc hammer good to know uh that's uh that's interesting i can't even tell if it's a male or female at this point uh we also got a little bit of footage of one of its arms which seems to be a new type of shield arm that bounces back any punches thrown against it uh which is kind of cool on its own uh it, you know there's a lot of ways you can sort of use that the, th the funny thing is i i talk about arms but i still don't actually own arms yet 
uh, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that I just still haven't had time to pick up and with it having not too much single player content out there and me being so far behind as far as being good at the actual fighting it's like I was in I was so interested in this game I so wanted to pick it up but other things happened where I just didn't and uh, it's unfortunate but you know for those it, it sold it did sell 1.1 million copies worldwide which is really good so here's hoping you know that, that this this continues the interest in it because hey a new fighter that's great and I, I I'm curious to see what they are like exactly what they are just because you know the the fight the fighters in arms are pretty great and uh, they're really great with the theming uh, it'll just be interesting to see how well they differentiate uh, you know the candy of this new fighter what well, seems to be candy anyway to the goo of Helix so we'll see how that all goes down but I, I, I'm definitely interested in seeing it uh, next up uh, is we have a statement from uh, Hideki Kamiya who actually stated that Near Automata saved Platinum Games. It's really fascinating because Platinum Games, you know, they, they're a really beloved studio, but they their games don't always sell the greatest. It, it's, it's always been sort of been that way. It happened when they were still Clover Studios with, uh, uh, you know, Okami and um, I think it was God Hand. I think, I think that was what it was called. Uh, that kind of thing. And the fact that their work with Nier Automata and, and specifically Yoko Taro and how he is considered a mad genius by the people who really follow this game. Like, Yoko Taro, I've read a few of the stories about him and he is always fascinating. There is, he is, as many people put it, he seems to be a mad genius. And I'm starting to really see that. And it, it's great to see that, like, this game, like I still need to pick it up because I keep hearing how good it is. Uh, it, it's it's just that good, and people loved it that much that it saved Platinum, especially after the cancellation of Scalebound, which really had to hurt them because you know sinking resources into that it seemed pretty far along. That's could be pretty major. Now um, we also had Bayonetta 2, but granted that was on the Wii U, so it probably didn't sell as well as it could have. Uh, I don't actually know the full sales figures of Bayonetta 2, um, but it's still it's great to see that we'll get we'll have Platinum Games stick around for a little bit longer. And who knows? Maybe this is a partnership at a work. The the fact that we have Nier is a big name now thanks to Automata, and we have Platinum the games that made it. Maybe the the relationship will continue, and you know maybe now we have the switch. We'll get a Bayonetta three or something like that. Like I I want. Platinum games to stick around, and the fact that they are able to, thanks to all this, is really gratifying. I am so happy that that all worked out, and uh, yeah, so that's that's just a really you know kind of a nice, cool, uplifting story as far as how things are going, and as far as craziness and stories, it is definitely this next one that just shocks me. I mean, it shocks me, but also doesn't quite shock me which it's 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 weird but a new article on um on gamingbolt.com by a Prameth, and it's an opinion piece uh you know not really done by gaming bolt themselves but it's still fascinating to see uh is that he sort of looked at it and saw that the switch will have more high-end like gaming uh like uh, big budget 
gaming exclusives in the in nine months than the Xbox One did in the last two years, ever since 2016. Like he uh, or she, I'm not sure who the the gender of the writer, but yeah. Um, in the in two years, Xbox One has had Forza Horizon 3, Gears of War 4, Quantum Break, Recore, Dead Rising 4, Halo Wars 2, Crackdown 3, Super Lucky Super Lucky Super Lucky Tale, uh, Super's Lucky Tale. I've sorry mispronouncing that. And Forza Motorsport 7. While the Switch has had Breath of the Wild, One Two Switch. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, ARMS, Splatoon 2, Mario Plus Rabbids, Pokémon Tournament DX, Super Mario Odyssey, Fire Emblem Warriors, and, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, if, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 still hits it, which seems to be the case. Uh, but, that's the, the, but that's the crazy thing. And he even mentioned the fact that if you take away uh the games like Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart and Pokémon uh because they also appeared on the Wii U you, and you'd have to do the same thing with Xbox One because every single one of those games are also on the PC and that is that's insane that Xbox One has had that few true exclu true exclusives to its system uh, and yet Nintendo already has this many and I don't think that's you know it's less of like a great job Nintendo, which it is great job Nintendo. Good on you for making sure we have all these exclusives within this first nine months. Like it's been a really good first year for the Switch, just as far as constantly having new games to play, new games I'm interested in. That is truly commendable for to have that kind of consistency. But it's crazy that Microsoft cannot, for the life of them, get any type of exclusive that get uh, that that gets people's interest because of course you know you can play them on pc if you so want and that's exactly what's happening with like for example cuphead coming out at the end of september i really want to play that but i'm not going to pick up uh i'm not going to pick up an xbox one in order to play it i'm going to get it on pc because and that's always been the thing for me i don't have anything against xbox as a system it's it can be a very fine system but the exclusives never did anything for me, and it just, you know, the, the, the exclusives just seem to be dwindling more and more now. So hopefully Microsoft could find a way to really turn that around and get some exclusives on there that people will really be will really be interested in. I, I'm actually not sure if Sea of Thieves, which you know comes out next year, is a uh, exclusive on the Xbox One and not going to be on the PC. But I think that has a chance of really garnering some interest. I know Andre's been pretty interested in that one. Uh, I'm not sure if enough to make him buy an Xbox One unless it gets like the best reviews <laughs> or something like that. Uh, hard to say for sure. But I, I you know, you don't want to see any company fail. You want to see them succeed because that means more great games for you. More great games out there for other people that we can all enjoy. And I I hope Microsoft finds a way to turn this around and hopefully get some sort of exclusive in there because another thing about that and you know you can say the same thing about the Switch as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of sequels. I mean at least at least on Switch, we had the original title of yeah, One Two Switch, which woohoo. Uh, but we also had Arms and oh uh, uh, yeah, Arms. <laughs> so we got at least Arms is a is a new pop property. But I guess they had Recore as well. So yeah, it's about going the same there. Uh, I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have these thoughts in your head and then you look at us it, like, oh, oh right, I I'm completely off base there. Whoops. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just a crazy thing that uh, Nintendo is doing so well right off the bat. And uh, that's that's great to see. So, yeah, that pretty much covers it for the news for this week. I'd likely go into it more in depth if I actually had somebody to discuss it with. But when you only have my opinion, well, I'm who you're stuck with. So, love you guys. <laughs> no, I really do love doing this. And like last time, uh, since I am by myself, I'm going to uh, put more time towards your topics from Patreon. So, uh, as always, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon, uh, get these podcasts three days early, usually, as long as you know, <laughs> it happens sometimes where the scheduling just does not work out and things need to get done. Uh, so this is this is a bit of an off week for that, but usually get it three days early every Friday. I'm trying to get better at that, uh, to get it early Friday as well. Um, so thank you for bearing, bearing that in mind and bearing with us. I uh, really do appreciate it, but also being, but also offer up topics like the ones we have here. So yes, thank you guys so much. And let's go ahead and get through these 10 topics that we, cho- uh, that I chose, uh, since, I'm by myself, so let's uh, let's do a lightning round and uh, see what we have in store for us. So first up is Red Rax, who says, "I just got back from camp and was wondering if any if any of you guys have ever been to camp." Yes, uh, actually, I act I was a Boy Scout when I was really young. I actually you know started as a Cub Scout, went up to Boy Scouts, all that stuff, and we went camping quite often. We'd go to uh, these places in the woods where we'd be able to, to camp out. We'd have uh, like designated Boy Scout areas where uh, there was this whole like summer camp feel to it, and be out there for a week. And uh, it, it was it was pretty nice because you'd have tents, but they were also like sort of pre-built tents because they were meant to last a week and uh, made it a little easier. Uh, my favorite was always sort of winter camp because we'd get a cabin and uh, you could have the snow all around and do various things. And you know you get you get cold but then you can come into the cabin and hang out and you know have a good time there and there's always uh, there's some interesting stories from camp so um for summer camp at least uh one of the stories that sticks out to me is uh <laughs> i was not there for it but my my troop that i was part of apparently had a bit of a um reputation at this 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 summer camp that we'd go to where they basically started a war <laughs> and the idea behind it was there is there was a section of camps on this little island amongst and you know uh that was within the um campground itself and they somehow my my troop again i remind you i was not there at the time so who knows maybe they made it all up but it's one of those things you sort of believe as a kid but they said that the uh they got into this sort of fight with this other troop. So one night they all snuck out and went to this other troop who were on this island. And they decided to throw rocks at them. And they threw so, like, just pelted them with rocks as they were sleeping, which of course ticked off the troop that were getting thrown rocks at. And they started throwing rocks back at the, uh, back at our troop. Well, other troops were uh, in the, that campground area on the island and it actually just people get started getting mad rocks were getting pelted and counselors were trying to get everything uh taken care of i don't think anybody was seriously hurt but for whatever reason because of this fight uh they decided to completely close off all the campgrounds on this island i believe it was called turtle island and it was i don't know it's it seems crazy but who knows 
uh, that's what they told me. Not even just one of those campfire stories to make themselves look good or just whatnot, but it, it's funny to think about just these uh, rambunctious boys pelting each other with rocks. Boys are dumb. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Uh, a grosser story and I uh, <laughs> is uh, from winter camp. We had this one guy that was uh, helped out with the Boy Scouts. You know, there's troop leaders and whatnot. And this guy was always a little kooky, let's say. Uh, he had no teeth. Um, you didn't even have false teeth in there. It's just uh, these gums. And I swear to you that during, like, we were cooking up hamburgers. Like, we made the patties, putting them on there, uh, cooking up the, ha the hamburgers on the, on a, over the fire, all that stuff. And he made his patty, went over to the fire, uh, threw the patty down on the skillet, waited about mm, 10 seconds, flipped it, 10 seconds on that side, popped it on his burger, put ketchup on it, ate it. That thing was basically still raw patty. Like there was a little bit of brown on it. And I just, like we were all just watching him eat this essentially raw hamburger patty and it was so gross. Oh, it was so gross. And uh, yeah, here was a weird one. Uh, the funny thing is I was going for Eagle Scout when I was in the Boy Scouts, but I um, <laughs> never, it never happened. One, because I was starting to lose interest as I got older. Two, the troop, uh, just really couldn't garner a lot of interest. And because of that, uh, it basically folded because of lack of interest. So those, those of us who were still in it just didn't make out. And rather than go to another troop, I was like, eh, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't need that Eagle Scout thing. Sure. It might look good for colleges and whatnot, but I'll be fine. And lo and behold, yeah, I'm fine. I don't need the Eagle Scout thing to prove anything. So yeah, those are a few of the camp stories. Uh, mainly, uh, you know, mainly to deal with Boy Scouts. I, my friends like to go camping on occasion, but it's not really my thing anymore. I mean, it's it's kind of nice, but I don't know. I I get bored. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to see, but I like I I can spend a few hours there. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. You know, I'm ready to go. Anyway, next topic uh, comes from Gfen61, who says, "Hi, Game Explained crew. Love the podcast. My question is: Are you satisfied with the Switch five months in?" What are the things you would change or not change about it? Honestly, I am satisfied with it. Well, thank you very much that very much that you love the podcast. Really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, as far as satisfaction, I am quite satisfied with the Switch. Uh, there's you know there's those little things that we've talked about in the past. I'd still I'd like change, um, but it's again really minor in the grand scheme of things. The Switch has really proven itself about what it can do, uh, and the, again the thing that's impressed me most is how um, consistent game releases have been. Uh, even, you know, we have a big Nintendo-ish game or something from Nintendo um, basically once a month, uh, which is a great, just great to have. Uh, it, it's, you know, we keeps it consistent, brings you back to the Switch constantly. And for those who, those people who only go Nintendo exclusive, there are tons of games on the eShop. I think another thing that came out uh, this week is that uh, the, the eShop has already reached over a hundred games on the system. There are so many choices right now, and having taken the train twice to New York this year, uh, it is so good for those types of trips, like t plane rides, train rides, long trips. Having the Switch there and being able to play console experiences on that screen is so nice. And I cannot, 
believe how much use I've gotten out of it. I've granted, I've mainly used it as a console, but for those moments you do get to use it, uh, you know, outside, it's kind of funny having those sort of Nintendo Switch commercial experiences. There's always that sort of good feeling. It's like, huh, Nintendo wasn't too far off with their advertising campaign. That's that. That's cool. I'm glad to have that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean trying to think of any major changes there's basically just updates like i'd like to have the virtual console on there uh, at some point because i playing classic games on that system i think will be a lot of fun and having those uh, experiences uh once again just on the go like i am so ready to buy a ton of virtual console games because just to have them ready like hey i'm on this trip i can play super mario brothers 3 or super mario world or uh heaven help us mother three <laughs> that kind of thing um so i'm trying to think of other th changes there's again there's these minor things as far as tech that would be nice to be a little bit better but i think that's stuff that nintendo can gradually make better as time goes on and but just off the top of my head i very i'm pretty satisfied with the Switch, and I'm looking to be even more satisfied as we get to the bigger releases like Super Mario Odyssey and Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I cannot wait for those games. So, yeah, thank you for the question, as well as Red Rax. <laughs> uh, next up is Emily Shimp, who says, It's safe to say that Sonic Mania has become a hit with critics and Sonic fans alike. That being said, a lot of classic zones that could have been, been included were nowhere to be seen. If Sega ends up making Sonic Mania 2 at some point, which classic zones would you like to see make a comeback? Well, to be honest, none of them. I don't want to see any comebacks next time. Uh, that would be that would honestly be my hope because when Sonic Mania showed original, like true originality, that's when it was at its best. Seeing Sonic in a new take, doing new things. Those were always the best. And it's great to have those callbacks and references uh, to those, especially in the game, the level design. And they did a great job of taking old levels and making them feel new. But I, for Sonic Mania 2, if they are going to have returning levels, um, I would hope that they have the ratio is more in favor of new stages as far as those classic levels that i'd like to see make a comeback uh mystic cave i think would be a fun one uh that's always been a favorite of mine just love the music and sort of like for whatever reason mystic cave always makes me think of halloween it is just that sort of classic level and i'd love i'd love to see uh what the developers can do with that one ice cap is another good one uh just a really classic one um maybe carnival night as well uh now that i know how to handle those barrels that always gave me trouble as a kid i never knew about the up and down on the d-pad method um uh that that, that sort of stuff those, those would be some fun ones but we actually uh have a sonic mania post review discussion where we we talk about what we'd like to see out of a sonic mania 2 so definitely look forward to that i believe it actually just went live as i'm recording this and so it'll be there for basically everybody when when you hear when you see this podcast go up so we we definitely have more of it that in there we have some interesting ideas but i would prefer prefer more new stages to classic stages and uh yeah that's just how i feel next up is uh jeremy Schiel. i think that's how you pronounce it Schiel. uh says hey guys with mania finally out and seemingly releasing to critical and financial success 
What other franchises would you like to see get similar treatment? For example, a Mega Man X9 with enhanced SNES-style graphics, a true Super Mario World sequel with graphics similar to Mario Maker Super Mario World mode, or maybe even go beyond just platformers with a new 16-bit Zelda or 32-bit Fire Emblem. Maybe you guys can come up with more wild and out-there ideas than I can. Anyways, thanks for always providing us with a great podcast. Well, thank you so much, first of all. Uh, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you can do with that. I don't... With Mega Man X... Mega Man X9 is definitely the most obvious one. Um, I would love to see a Mega Man X9 go back to those SNES-style graphics, try to sort of capture that feeling of uh, the original Mega Man X and go just even beyond that. As far as uh, a Super Mario sequel, I yeah, it would be cool to see uh, that sort of thing uh, with uh, like a Super Mar- with more Super Mario World gameplay with new power-ups or, or whatnot. Um, I don't know if I want a graphic style similar to uh, Mario Maker Super Mario World mode, though. It always felt, I don't know, having the shadows there always kind of threw me off. I would like it to, in, in the be if they're going to do that sort of thing, I'd like it to be like Mini, where they try to emulate the SNES as much as possible, just with, you know, slightly better um, graphics here and there. But not to the degree that, hey, there's a shadow effect on the background now. Uh, I, it's I don't know why, I just kind of feel that way but there's you know there's there, there would be ways to really make it work um as far as uh 16-bit zelda or 32-bit fire emblem i can't really see that happening the best we got of course with zelda is um link between worlds and i did like that graphical style it made it stand out um and while still hearkening to link to the past and that graphical style uh, it's a it's that sort of weird thing where you do want to see something new out of the graphics and it just sort of worked for Sonic especially because well they tried the 2D stuff and it didn't quite work and to see it go back to that original style with the um, original physics I think that was the big thing there Um, as far as Zelda oh man I don't know even Mega Man like if we actually got like a Mega Man 11 I would not want the 8-bit style I would want a new style something similar to honestly Mega Man 8 like really make those colors pops pop or really make this world feel I don't know part of it I'm, I'm I've actually gotten tired of the NES look for Mega Man I want to see something new from him and that's why it would be okay with X9 but I also want to see what they can do with that graphical style with more power behind it um, it's, it's just one of those things where you want to see sort of like hey you know you love this on this system let's say and here it was on PlayStation 1 here's what it looked like what it like that looked like on PlayStation 2 with 2d graphics and uh, yeah I, I don't know I just like that idea um, as far as uh, just returning games with similar graphics like I think it'd be kind of cool to see updated versions of like Aladdin or Lion King and just really get the animation right uh, I'm also a big fan of little Nemo uh, dream uh, dream master that's a great game um, I'm also a huge fan of the Lolo series so seeing those games come back and maybe getting some more music rather than just the one repeating song and updating it and because you know we've seen Lolo Lolo and la 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 come back on other Kirby games maybe give them a little bit of love give us a little game that's a, a, kind of a spin-off of Kirby and you know let them do their thing again because I don't know it's it, I've always found the puzzle aspect, the puzzle games of uh, Adventures of Lolo to be so much fun. So I don't really have many ideas beyond that because I do like 
going back to those. Like when we first saw Mega Man Nine, it was so cool to see it have it go back to that graphical style, but still kind of enhanced. Uh, and same thing with Sonic Mania. But I'm not positive if that's something that can last where we want to see like, okay, that's cool, but let's see what you guys can do with even more power or modernizing it to this degree and whatnot. And the thing is, we've seen it done with Sonic, so maybe that's why we're a lot more open to it in the classic sense in that game. Uh, if that makes any sense at all, hopefully it does. Uh, but thank you for very much for the uh, topic. So let's go ahead and continue on with Keenan Lowry, who says, When playing RPGs like Skyrim or D&D, do you have a typical character type when, that you go for? Are you a huge bruiser or a gangly thief? Do you aim to have a lawful good personality, or are you more of a chaotic neutral? I always find it fun to see what people like to roleplay as. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Well, thank you very much, first of all. Uh, the funny thing is, I, I've tried to get into D&D a few times, and it's never quite clicked with me. It's, it's one of those weird things. Um, but as far as character creation, I, uh, like I'm thinking the games, like you said, like Skyrim and even Fallout, I... I suck at customizing things because I'm so used to other games where I can just do it all that I tend to actually gravitate to a, uh, a, a the type of character that's good at everything, good at everything, but not a master at everything. And what is it? The um, oh, I forget. Uh, Jack of yeah, Jack of all trades, but a master of none. That's what I meant to say. Don't know why that slipped my mind, but yes, I, that's sort of my preference. So I guess I'd be more of a red mage when it came to like Final Fantasy type stuff. Uh, just being able to do a little bit of everything, but not being particularly great, especially in those types of games where I'm on my own. Um, Paladins are also pretty good because they kind of fit that idea as well, just because you can do some really great damage while also being able to heal yourself. Always kind of like that aspect. Um, but as far as specialization, unless I have like a party I'm working with, I don't really go one way or the other. Um, as far as me, I as and in, in the, even in those party situations, I like to look at okay, what does this group need? What do they? What should they do? And that's where I like to fill in. It's like oh, they need a healer or they need a mage. Okay, I'll do that role and try to help out as best as I can there. And if you can't tell by that sort of personality trait, yeah, I typically go lawful good or a good personality like I don't like to do evil things in the game like I feel I do feel guilty whenever I do something bad so uh, you know it's, it's very rare like they have to actually tick me off in some way for me to do something bad to them and that's you know I, I like those, ask, those those times where you get the um, hmm I'm not sure if this person's good or hmm I'm not sure if this person's good or, or other times where they uh, sort of like hey this person's good by the way they tricked you because you're a gullible fool Dang it! <laughs> that's uh, that's a little too true to life. <laughs> so I, I hopefully that's good enough. I'm I'd say probably lawful good and uh, jack of all trades character. So try to help out where I can, uh, type thing. So yeah. Uh, next up we have Joe who says, "Hey guys, hope you had a great week. Uh, I really enjoyed the dual review of Sonic Media, and I hope you'll be able to do more in the future." To stay on the topic of reviews, I would like to know if you ever felt the need to re-review a game. I will give you two examples. The first one is Ukulele. From what I understand, I refuse to play the game on my PC, so I'm still waiting for the Switch port to play it. The game at launch had many problems that were corrected in later patches. Is your review still relevant if the crappy camera and slowdowns you experience while playing the game are no longer an issue? My second example is the original Splatoon. 
After its release, Nintendo added a ton of free content, weapons, stages, and even new modes. And to me, the game like it was at launch and the game today are two different software. Granted, there are no longer Splatfest, but I think you get my point. Now, he has a bonus question, but we're going we're gonna to focus on uh, those at first. So, there is the temptation to go back and re-review a game. And uh, the, the harder part with Splatoon is that by the time everything came out for Splatoon, people know how knew how they felt about the game. And, like, yeah, they could look at that review, but then you'd also see, hey, all oh, this is out. And I think it just became one of those factors. Like, it took a year or somewhere around there for everything that was part of the original Splatoon to actually be put into the game, like all those updates, all those new, all that new content, uh, all the modes. And it'd be weird, I don't know, it'd be weird to go back and re-review it, especially uh, if I remember correctly, Andre gave the original Splatoon in its base form either a like it a lot, uh, yeah, like it a lot or love. I can't remember offhand. And, you know, with all this extra content, it's like, hmm, I'm pretty sure I'd still love it. it. It's so I think that's it's where it gets a little tricky. I think that's why how people handle it is like, hey, this DLC came out. Let's review the DLC, and you can sort of determine whether or not this adds to the value of that. The trickier aspect is something like Ukulele, where they did get that huge patch that apparently fixed a lot of things. I've not tried it myself because I honestly just don't enjoy Ukulele on a base level. Um, there's aspects to it even beyond just the the issues that it had that I just did not enjoy. And I thought the levels were too big. That it was a pain in the butt to try to track down everything. Uh, that it it seemed really haphazard how everything was placed. Uh, there were aspects of the levels where like uh, it just didn't flow well or it just felt off to me like the best level was still the swamp I, I feel like the best level in that game was the swamp level because of the way it was structured because you'd get much more focused platforming sections it wasn't just this open area go wherever it was hey here's you can go down this path and you'll get this sort of platforming or you can go down this path and do this sort of platforming and or this sort of challenge and that, to me that's a better way of putting it if you're just having it all out in the open and with it, it's just like by the way here's this here this that there this over there it's just so like you're running around with a, like a chicken with your head cut off you're not quite sure where to go and there's not really any guidance to it and that was sort of my problem with ukulele now i did not do the review of ukulele that was all ash and i don't know if he had those same kind of issues that i did and he certainly didn't seem to have as many issues. like he had problems with the how shoddy it was as far as um how certain things were coded and all the glitches and whatnot so who knows he might have might re-review it and have a better opinion of it but i i don't know with so much coming out and with us being such a small team it's hard to go back and like take the time to say, hey, let's replay this game and re-review it. And people might not be fully interested. Like it's it's one of those things where first impressions in this case do really matter. And uh, that's what makes it tricky because a lot of games put out patches and updates saying, hey, this is better. But I'm sorry, in my opinion, when I first played you, if I did not have a good time, like you have to really convince me that you've changed your game for the better for me to even retry it because that that first experience was just not a good time and i've like for another example i've heard people say that with mighty number no. nine 
once you get the hang of its mechanics and how it act, uh, treats everything, it, you can actually have a little bit of fun with it. And I don't agree with that because my first experience was so bad with it. Why would I ever go back to it? Why would I put myself through that and be like, oh, okay, I can see why I had trouble with this and why I had trouble with that. And that's why I can sort of see people having issues with Sonic because they'll come into uh, sections where it's like, well, that was unfair or that didn't work out. Why is this wrong? And because of that first experience, but in Sonic, especially in the older games, you might want to relearn the levels so you know, hey, this trap is coming up here, so let's avoid that and do all that. Um, it's one of those weird things because other games are sort of designed around that idea where, hey, this is hard, but you want to keep trying at it to try to get better. And it's it's a weird, weird balance of it just you have to take it case by case to see how you feel at any one particular time. As far as re-reviewing Ukulele, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe we might review the Switch version. I honestly don't know. But the thing is, I don't have much interest in it. As far as other examples that could be like that, it hasn't popped up too often. So I'm not sure if that's a satisfying answer, but that's just sort of getting my thoughts out there about how it all works out. Hopefully that's satisfying. I have no idea. As for your bonus question, uh, let's go ahead and read that. Uh, I have a bonus question. English is not my first language, as you might have might have guessed, uh, since I will make some small grammar mistakes here and there. Uh, but I prefer to watch TV shows and movies in English, and to be honest, I don't really have any difficulties to understand what is being said, even when the actors have a strong accent like in Game of Thrones. That being said, I watched the new DuckTales episode last week, and I understand only about 40% of what Donald Duck says. As native English speakers, do you get every word he says and I that one made me laugh that's why I went the bonus thing and that uh, I was gonna mention it when I was talking about DuckTales earlier but no when I when that show first started and I'm trying to listen to Donald I oh my gosh I don't know what it was about that first the first half of that episode he was so hard to understand now re-watching it I have a better idea of what he's saying now I can actually sort of better understand him and I was actually as I was watching I was like man is it just because I haven't watched a Donald Duck cartoon in forever or is it just because he's just really that bad or that really that hard to understand and but the thing is as the episode progressed I had a much easier time actually understanding what he was saying so I it looks like they fixed it as time goes on so I don't think it's going to be an issue as of any more but yeah those opening like 15 20 minutes of Donald talking was really hard so yeah don't feel bad as a non-english speaker that uh made it a little tricky to say for sure <laughs> all right next up we have well we might be getting invaded by a helicopter overhead but uh we'll just ignore that for now <laughs> anyway uh next up is alex harding who says hey game explain when do you think we'll hear about what retro studios is working on and what do you think it'll be uh, honestly, at this point, I think we're going to hear about what Retro Studios is working on within the next year. Um, if it's the, if it does not come out by E3, I will be extremely worried. But I think at the latest, we'll hear about what Retro is working on come uh, E3 2018. Um, as far as what it actually could be, that is really hard. Like I like. In my head, I think, oh, it's going to be another, it may not be Metroid, but it'll be like a first-person game that you do this sort of exploration in. But then I think about Donkey Kong. It's like, oh, they can make their own platformer. It's hard to say. For some reason, though, I think it's going to be a kind of, it's going to be an original action game. It does. It definitely feels like it's going to be a, um, 
new IP, I feel like they've earned that enough that they, they're allowed to like, okay, you did this with Metroid, you did this with Donkey Kong, we have this other studio now working on Metroid Prime 4, so yeah, here you go, do whatever you want, and we'll support that, because Nintendo does seem to be at least partially uh, encouraging new IPs coming out, and you know, bigger IPs, because we got it with Splatoon, we got it recently with ARMS, and a new... IP from retro would be excellent for 2018 to just push that have that constant like hey here's a new IP along with everything else we we do as far as uh, sequels and whatnot and whatnot so that's my fingers crossed for some reason I do think like an action adventure type game not exactly sure ex how that would work or what they would do with it because uh, you know it could be it could be really anything it could be anything under the sun but I don't think it's going to be I would be kind of surprised if it's, a, if it's another update to a uh, classic Nintendo game. It'd be kind of cool to see what they would do with, well, whatever, but I don't see it really happening. So, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. But that's what I'm going to put my uh, placement at. I think E3 2018 at the latest is when they're going to reveal it, but it'd be really cool if we got like a direct and be like, by the way, here's what Retro's up to, <laughs> especially if it's like... Like ostensibly a Metroid thing, but hey, if you were wondering what here's our Metroid stuff. By the way, if you were wondering what uh, Retro is up to, uh, here you go. This is what it's, this is what it's doing. <laughs> that kind of thing. So eh, we'll see. Uh, next up is Sean Armor, who says, uh, "What was it like doing the dual review? Was the process different than other reviews, and will we see more of them?" So the dual review is really a unique situation that likely won't happen very often, mainly because it's a game that both Ash and I were interested in, and that happens a lot. Ash and I have a lot of similar tastes and we're uh, very much willing to try out different games. Uh, but for example, um, when Super Mario Odyssey comes out, obviously all three of us are gonna wanna play it, but I don't think all three of us are gonna review it, mainly because I only see us getting one review copy. Sonic Mania was a very special case where we actually did get to review copies of the game. Ash put it out there and, they, and Sega agreed and we got this, the second copy. And because we both wanted to cover the game so much, it just sort of fell into place. So I was like, you know what, let's actually try for a co-review, especially since so many people were suggesting it. And I don't know how other people do co-reviews because, you know, there's always those crossovers between this YouTuber and this YouTuber as they talk about a single thing and how their writing process goes. But for Ash and I, what we did was actually write up our own reviews and say, basically just like, okay, here's my review, here's Ash's review, and both of us wrote about a three-page review um, for, for Sonic Media. And then we basically went line by line, looking at each paragraph and saying, okay, I said this, you said this, you know, I talked about this at this point. Okay, that's that's perfect. I talked about this. Let's grab my grab my paragraph, put it into this, and that way we can sort of complement each other while also sort of changing up like to transition like we were actually having a conversation, uh, at least as best as we could. And yeah, we sort of meshed them together in ways that made sense. So we took my structure, but we took Ash's, of course, outro and how he ended off everything else. Uh, but we also wanted to make a point of actually showing what both of us thought, so we had that those two lovets actually appear. And I'm not sure how if that's the best way to do it or not, but it, it definitely, it felt like the easiest way because, especially with our review style, we wanted to get our own thoughts. And 
it didn't make sense with us not being on camera, like pushing each other or saying, hey, this is going on or yeah, this is happening or anything else. So we just kept it sort of typical, but just meshing everything together to make sure we felt like we got our thoughts out there enough while also um, having enough, uh, covering all the points. Like there's th things that Ash talked about that I didn't even think of and vice versa. So again, it was a, it was a weird hodgepodge sort of meshing of the two. And I, like I said, I don't think it's going to happen f too often because it requires one, a lot of time and two, um, multiple review copies, which does not happen that often. So, yep. Uh, thank you very much for the question, all of you. Uh, next up is David Mott, who says, Something I've always wondered about Game Explain. What's it like being a small video game journalist group in comparison to the likes of GameSpot and IGN? Does it make it harder to get coverage for games at events like E3 since the bigger companies hold larger priority? And do the lack of members make communication easier? Are there any pros and cons? Either way, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. And uh, honestly, Andre would be the better one to ask about this, but since he's worked at IGN, he's worked at GameSpot, and he can actually compare uh, all three. But from my uh, point of view, there is that slight frustration. Like, it's not major or not uh, or anything like that, but being like, dang, wish we were bigger because, you know, we want to interview Reggie about this stuff coming out. We want to uh, interview uh, Miyamoto about Mario or, or what have you, any developer, uh, and try to get that, uh, get those kind of exclusives. And that's the thing. We want to... That's why it's so like you really want to get those exclusives and you want to handle all that stuff and you see this stuff come out for bigger, uh, bigger groups and it's like dang it. But you also understand because they are bigger that it makes sense for these uh, companies to give them a higher priority because they're going to reach more people and you know it's just the way it goes in a lot of cases. But I also think for as small as we are, because you know we have Andre, myself, and Ash, as well as Tom, uh, for basically the big events. But on the on the day to day basis, it's basically Andre and Andre and I uh, doing all the stuff and trying to keep up with everything. And I think for what for as small as we are, we do very well. And Ash is there to help as well, but uh, he just you know with his own job, it's just not able to help as much as, as I'm sure he would like to and um, it, but it also looks like hey Andre uh, this needs taken care of okay cool I'll take care of that hey Derek this needs taken care of cool I'll take care of that and sort of split up now it's not too bad when it's the news coverage is light but all of a sudden when there's this going on and this going on and this going on then it becomes a bit crazy because it's like you're balancing a bunch of plates trying not to let any of them fall and unfortunately sometimes they do fall because you know, we try to have at least a little bit of a life as we're going on. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's still one of those things where, you know, what my basic thought is, what's a weekend? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's largely my own choice because I do like to stream on the weekends. Uh, that's just how it's always, it's always been. It's a nice way to play and hang out with people and still work on that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, there's always that chance of something something happening on the weekend, especially because Japanese companies don't really seem to care when when it comes out, at least for America. I mean, it, you know, something can come out Sunday, but that's because it's Monday in Japan, uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I like the smallness of us, but it, it's, and it works for how big we are and how much, how, how many resources we have. But, you know, there's, you know, 
be nice to get a little bigger in, in t- with time and have, be able to handle all this, uh, this all this stuff. So maybe we can handle it all. But it's also the thing is this is very intensive work. So not everybody can handle it in the way they need to. So it's 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 it's, it's a tricky uh, balance to maintain. But honestly, I enjoy it and it's it's very gratifying work. And I try not to compare myself to GameSpot and IGN too much just because they're them, we're us. Let's do our thing, cover these games, and see what we can do. That sort of thing. So, yeah. Our final uh, topic for uh, <laughs> this week, though, it comes from uh, Hylian Soup, or Hylian Soup, uh, who says, With college starting back for many students, including myself, as well as Derek's recent stories of his passion for English, I have to ask, what are your favorite books? Likewise, if, if any specific member of the next podcast isn't an avid le- reader, what are your favorite types of non-traditional media? Keep up the good work, guys. So, yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, it's only me, so sorry about that. But as far as favorite books, um, I was a huge reader growing up. Uh, and I can really trace it back to my second grade teacher. Um, she, her, her classroom I was lined with bookshelves. Uh, all around, like tons of kids' books to read. And I I forget exactly what sparked it, but I got into read. I was I was somehow into reading already. I think it might have been because of Goosebumps and whatnot. But Goosebumps were a huge influence on me as far as uh, just doing all kinds of, you know, just devouring each and every book. Like I'd get a new book and it'd be done by the end of the day. And uh, what my second grade teacher did to facilitate this would... Uh, she'd recommend different books to me, like, hey, check out The Indian in the Cupboard and its sequels and all these other books. And she would just, I'd take a book from her class, read it, bring it back to her, and she'd give me another one. She was like my own personal library. And I just read constantly, it was whether it was Goosebumps, uh, Fear Street, big on R.L. Stein. I was a big fan of the Christopher Pike books. Um, I read uh, Michael Crichton books when I was really young. Like I think I was reading that in middle, uh, like fifth grade, middle school, and then into middle school. Same with a few uh, Stephen King books. Um, all really good stuff. But then as time went on and more time got taken up, it was it became a lot harder to keep up with all the reading. And of course, I got into you know comics in some ways and video games and just sort of trying to balance them all. But I do. There's still a lot of books out there I really do enjoy. And, um, I, uh, you know, more, more recently, I am a big fan of the Song of Ice and Fire books, you know, what became Game of Thrones. Uh, I read those before the show came out. I was really excited when I found out the show is going to be a TV show rather than a, uh, than a, a series of movies, just because I knew a TV show would work better for the project. Uh, also a big fan of, uh, the Dark Tower books by Stephen King. Uh, those were a lot of fun. Um, Michael Crichton was a huge uh, favorite of mine. Uh, loved his, uh, like, actually reading Jurassic Park is a lot of fun and seeing all the differences, and there's some really great moments in it. And I devoured all of his books. It was, it was really great stuff. Um, and again, R.L. Stein was a big influence on me, although I will say I was a bigger fan as far as kids' books of the Spooksville series. I'm not sure how well known those are, but they were like a series, I think around 26 books that focused on the same kids in the same town and just having different adventures. And it felt a lot more serialized because they would reference things that happened before. And it just felt a little bit more fun because it wasn't a different story each time. You actually got time to 
connect to these characters unlike Goosebumps. And it was just that sort of fun thing. Um, but yeah, I, I still try to read every so often. Like I, uh, two years, uh, a year or two ago, I read The Last Unicorn. That was really good. Uh, highly recommended. I read uh, Mara Wilson's autobiography. That I, thought, th- I thought that was really good. Like I, I do like to read as much as I can. It's just finding the time to do it. As so often with a lot of my, uh, a lot of other things, like trying to find time to watch these TV shows or watch these movies. Although I, movies are a little bit easier because, hey, that's two hours. Oh, okay, that's done. <laughs> you know, back to work, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm trying to think of other books that I just really enjoyed. Uh, read a bunch of Road Doll, though I don't think any of his stuck out to me as like my all time favorites or anything like that. Um, it was I, I, I much like video games. I never really stuck around with any one book. Like I didn't re- reread it a lot. It was mainly just that was really good. I want more. So let's what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So it made it a little harder to um, get a favorite in that way. Um, so hopefully that was a sa- satisfactory answer with any luck anyway. But uh, yeah, I, that's all of our topics this week, uh, all 10 of them. So once again, covering all that to make up for the lack of a co-host or uh, guests or anything like that. So thank you guys so, so much for listening in. I apologize that it's, uh, once again, just me. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to get more of us in. I'm going to try to get it out earlier, uh, do all that. But sometimes scheduling just doesn't always work out, whether it's because of illness or unexpected things happening. It, it always, you know, comes out that way. But uh, I do appreciate you guys listening uh, every week. As I say, I think every week <laughs> is just a pleasure of mine to be able to reach out to you like this and just sort of talk a little bit more naturally. So, yeah, uh, that was episode 72 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. And if you like to support us, it's just $1 on Patreon to get these podcasts three days early every Friday the latest Saturday, as well as offer up the topics like the the ones we just had. So we'll see you next week for episode 73, and you guys have a great, uh, great day. Bye.